Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers in the World Series champion, Houston Astros, simulcast on Stadium 32.3-133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline, 337-706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, uh, these first couple segments are a great time to do it. We'll be speaking with UL men's basketball coach Bob Moreland at about 9.35 or a little bit after 9.30. And then... In the 10 o'clock hour, something I've been wanting to do for a couple weeks, and we, it just kind of got put on the back burner, and um, Lafayette Christian named a new head coach, what, about a month ago or so, I don't re- exactly remember now, and Hunter Landry, and wanted to get him on, and we'll be talking with him going into signing day. Um, he was the offensive coordinator elevated to head coach, and so we'll be talking with Hunter about that situation and that opportunity at about 10, 15-ish. Um, we discussed, and I'm going to get to, I just, again, I. It, it's to Tuesday after championship Sunday. And so there's nothing wrong with going over and discussing what happened in the championship games. I mean, it's, you know, it's, the Super Bowl. We got two weeks till the Super Bowl, and so I get it. Some of the things I'm hearing, I just we'll, we'll get to it. But before we get to that, the 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 I mean, we probably could have guessed it, but it would have just been guessing yesterday on the show. Sometime yesterday afternoon, it came out that Brock Purdy. The guess is he's going to be out six months. So. There was a lot of speculation, and I I didn't dismiss it. I thought it was within the realm of possibility. Maybe still is. We'll see. That he played well enough to convince the cheaters that to convince the cheaters that maybe he should be the quarterback of this franchise moving forward. Again, they tra- I forget, but they gave up what two, three first rounders or like two first-rounders and a couple – I mean, they gave up a lot to get Trey Lance. A lot. Like, crazy stuff. This guy hadn't played – hadn't taken that many more snaps than Dawson or I in the last four years, this cat Trey Lance. So he's still, to me, a little bit of an unknown or a lot of an unknown. Then you got Jimmy G, who we all thought wasn't going to be there – Going in a year ago, no way, no way he's going back. We all thought it. And then he ends up being the starting quarterback for a spell. He's still in the picture, theoretically, although we all think he's gone, just like we all thought he was going last year. And now they're trying to tell me Tom Brady is going to go there. Well, that would be fitting um, because, you know, he's been a 49. I love it his whole life. Um, But – I don't see the Tom Brady thing. Tom Brady, 
the kind of football that he plays and the kind of football that Shanahan coaches, it's not the same. I, I don't I don't see Tom Brady as a match for that offense at all. I mean, I just I guess if they don't if they didn't want Trey Lance for whatever reason or someone gave them this great trade offer for Trey Lance and they didn't feel like they could say no and they don't want to trust Brock Purdy or he's injured, especially trusting an injured Brock or a Brock Purdy coming off an injury. And plus, you got to have two quarterbacks at some point. I mean, you can't just have, especially with the way their quarterbacks go down. Like, you got to have two. I, like, that was a fascinating quarterback scenario anyway. And now that Brock Purdy's out, now again, six months is not the start of the season. But it's not like you're talking about a veteran. You're talking about a, a rookie who was not even in your plans. And then now you're going to trust him coming off an injury? I, 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 don't, I don't think there's any way they can, they can think now that he's going to be the starting quarterback. Now, they can maybe say he's going to be our backup. That would make sense. So I would think that Jimmy G is going to go. Are they just going to try Lance again? But if you go into next season, you're going to go into next season with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance? That's at least a little bit iffy because, again, one of them hadn't hardly played any football in the last four years. Again, he didn't play that much in college. Like he just, this guy's hardly played. At least Brock Purdy played at a pretty high level, you know, for four years in college. I, um... I don't know. I, I that's a that's a, I I get why people are saying Brady would is a nice fit there. He's a nice fit there in that he's from Northern California and they need a theoretically might need a quarterback, but Brady's skill set just does do you, am I wrong about that? It doesn't match up with what they do. I see what you're saying. I, I think it might make a little bit more sense for Brady than it would for San Francisco, just because Shanahan's kind of already proven that he doesn't need an exceptional guy back there. But at the same time, would that maybe take a lot of pressure off of him to have a guy like Brady who Garoppolo was had him inches away from winning the Super Bowl? They p- probably feel really confident if they had Brady running the show that with that defense. On Brady's side, if they're interested, it, it makes a ton of sense because well, yeah, I mean, he needs that supporting cast You're going to a ready-made now, football team, right. yeah. I mean, I, I'm not arguing for Brady. I'm just saying I don't think like Brady's a throw the ball down the field guy, you know, and I just. But he's also become, you know, with some of these offenses they ran in Tampa, they kind of modified that, and he he got the ball out quick because of the pressure issues. But the other thing for me with Brady is there's not a whole lot of scenarios that make a lot of sense for him. Like the way that the the quarterback landscape is, you know, he's not going anywhere that needs a year or so to rebuild. Right, he has to win now. So his options are really, you know, there's been a few teams thrown out there. Staying in Tampa, I guess, is an option, but they don't seem like they're right there anymore. San Francisco's an option. Does I don't think he wants to go to the AFC and try to deal with Burrow and Mahomes and Josh Allen next year. So it's like, where else, you know, does Brady take a look at some of these other openings in the NFC that a lot of these teams that don't really look ready to win? That's what... So for me, that's why it's like his options are a lot more limited than maybe they were a couple years ago when he was kind of looking around the league going, where's my best chance? 
I don't. I mean, obviously there there are a lot of options. I don't. I mean, I don't think anybody is as good as Tampa was. Again, Tampa. Tampa was an eleven win team that year before he went there that gave games away because of too many stupid interceptions and because the NFL had given them the raw deal on a schedule. They played a completely unfair schedule. And uh, the NFL had cheated them on their schedule. And and nobody's talking about that because everyone's agenda is just to praise Brady. And so they they never – and the, the national narrative has never given the true story – the, the, the yucks of that year were very similar to the Saints of 17, no, of uh, 16. Uh, they were really an 11 or 12 win team that just, you know, had bad breaks, awful schedule, and just did stupid stuff and, and just gave games away. And, and so they were ready to be really good. Now, I don't know if the Saints or the Arnolds or – like, the problem with Seattle is, are they good enough defensively? Like, Seattle was pretty decent this year. They were pretty good. But I don't know if they're good enough defensively. That's – I, I, Again, the Yucks had elite linebackers. They were really good defensively. And they carried Brady to the Super Bowl and into the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl with defense. It, it, it had nothing to do with Brady. I mean, it, they won with defense. Um, but I, I don't – they're not in that. They, they, Seattle's not, defense is really not that good. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Seattle makes – So who else is there? Well, that's what I'm saying. The Jets, maybe, but are they ready? Oh, I could close. see the Jets. No, I could see the Jets doing it. But now, I don't know if he wants to go to the AFC, to your point. Although, let's be fair. The AFC was really good, but the AFC was not what we all thought it was. I think some of us still think the AFC was like our preseason perception of the AFC was so high. It it wasn't that good. Like the Raiders didn't turn out to be that good. The Broncos didn't turn out to be that good. The Titans didn't turn out. Turn out to be that good. The Ravens, because of injuries, didn't turn out to be all that good. The Browns didn't turn out to be very good. Like the Steelers were about the same, I guess, but they didn't elevate. Like it wasn't at, the Chargers weren't even as good as we thought they were going to be. Now Jacksonville's a little better. Um, I think the Jets have a good defense. Again, the Jets have a good defense and a running game. I could see him going there and then winning double-digit games because if they have good quarterback play this year, they win double-digit games. Their quarterback play was horrific. Yeah, and the other, the only other scenario, I know back to New England's been thrown out there. I think that would oh, depend on a lot of behind-the-scenes things that yeah. maybe those relationships are there, maybe they aren't. But if you're that. if you're looking at it from his perspective, and Brady's always been calculated in what he does. He wasn't going again, to go to a rebuilding team in any of these situations. San Francisco's division is by far the most winnable of the of the situations that make sense for him because you have a Seattle team that, again, was pretty good. Maybe they take another step, maybe not. Arizona's going to be looking for a new coach kind of starting the over, Rams and are, the Rams are in disarray right now. Yeah, so I um, no, I get that part, um, but I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know that Shanahan... Shanahan likes look at me. Let Shanahan's his ego is about as big or bigger than than Casper's is. 
Uh, and Shanahan runs a certain kind of offense. Now, you know, Matt Ryan was not exactly Michael Vick, and and, and he succeeded in his offense, so I guess that can work. I just I, – I, I think they traded for Trey Lance for a reason. He wanted that mobile quarterback, you know, that, that wasn't by accident that they traded for Trey Lance. Right. And so then also it goes back to how much of those reports that came out last week that, you know, they were really considering Purdy moving forward before the injury and all that, how much of that was true? Because if Lance is progressing well and looks like he's going to be back, it feels like you'd run it back with Lance to me. Although, again, I guess Purdy had played so well that that was just kind of put in everyone's heads. But I always wonder if those reports, again, were put out for PR purposes or if they meant it because... I think the Jets make sense for Aaron Rodgers. And I think the Jets make sense for Tom Brady. I think the Raiders make sense for Aaron Rodgers. And I think the Raiders make sense for Tom Brady. So I I kind of think that one of those quarterbacks is going to be with the Jets and the other one's going to be the Raiders. Does that not make sense? I mean, I think it's going to be – I think one of them's going to be with the Raiders and one of them's going to be with the Jets. I don't know for sure which one. I guess it depends on whether – uh, you know, the Jets give a good enough package for Rodgers. The Raiders, I understand, like, the ideas and everything behind it, but, again, from a football standpoint, you want to go out in that division and try to win games right there for these quarterbacks who don't have that much left in the tank on a team that has some pieces, but, you know, are they ready to win right now against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and those guys? So, No, they're, they're, they're in a tough division. So in that line, it would probably make more sense that Brady goes to the Jets and Rodgers goes to the Raiders and reunites with Devonta Adams. And because I think Rodgers, like Brady certainly has an ego, but I think Brady's also extremely calculated, whereas Rodgers might, to me, go, you know what, I'm going to go prove I'm that guy with, with, with the Raiders, even if the pieces aren't the same. Brady's going to go where he knows he can get back to another Super Bowl, I think. Well, or he thinks. I mean, I... I mean, there's not many scenarios where you're going to play in a championship game on the road and throw three picks and go to the Super Bowl. I mean, you got to you got to get pretty lucky and get carried in a lot of ways. So, I don't know. But I'm the point of all this is the Brock Purdy situation just adds a whole extra level to what could be a very interesting. I mean, this this offseason in the NFL, I didn't think he could match last year's offseason in the NFL, and it. <laughs> Could it actually surpass it minus all the Deshaun Watson craziness? Wow. All right. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, and we will go right to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev. Howdy. What about the Colts? Uh, the Colts certainly need a quarterback. 
Um, I just don't. I don't see. I don't see either one of those guys going to the Colts. You got a, a, a all pro running back. You got a great offensive line when they're healthy. You got a, a really good stable of young receivers. I, they're just a quarterback away. Well, I, I, I don't know about a really defense, good. I mean, I, they've on got the field, one good receiver. Legit. They've got one good receiver. They don't. I, I don't. I mean, look, I, you could go. There are worse scenarios, you know. Um, the problem with them is they just seem to can't they they can't seem to get out of their own way. The Colts, like they just, what is their issue? Like, why are they so dysfunctional? It seems. I think it starts at the top, frankly. I think they got a kind of wacky ownership, but uh, again, with a good coach and a, and a stable quarterback. That team is a contender, I think, as they are right now. I think they've got all the pieces except for quarterback. And well, they, uh, they, they need more. I think coach? they need more Have receivers. Have they hired a coach yet? No, they need more receiver. I don't think their receiving talent is very good. Oh, I think they're receiving talent way underrated, especially again if you ain't got somebody to get them the ball. He can have Jerry Rice, and he's going to look like a scrub. You got to have somebody with the ability to get them the ball, and they've got. Speed. They've got possession receivers. They've got a, a complete complement of three or four receivers, I believe. And then you get another one in the draft, and it's it's really on. But it, again, they popped into my head when you were trying to figure out who could use a quarterback. I'm I'm really calling because yesterday was all about the championship games. But to me, the news of the weekend was the Falcons stealing Nielsen from us. I think that's a shot. A blow to the knees of the Saints. I think he was by far our best assistant coach, and w- wouldn't have been well. His his that- his unit was by far the biggest disappointment on this team this year. Now I'm not saying it's all his fault, but the defensive line was the biggest problem on this football team this year. Well, we were like fifth and sixth. They were awful. We? I thought they played considering oh, they were what the people, the players we've lost, that unit I think has consistently performed. And look, since he's joined the Saints, they're number two in the league in sacks. Look, I get they're that. But the, the, the problem Saints, with the reason, the, the biggest problem with this team is they didn't stop the run. And, and the defensive line just got torched. All year, I thought the defensive line was the biggest problem on this team and the biggest weakness, the most disappointing unit on this team, other than maybe safety. I, I, I'll disagree with you on that. I think as a unit, the way they shuffle and bring people in, especially once they settle down late in the year, um, I just think I think that man can coach. I like his attitude. I like what he brings to the table. I like the fact that he can – you think of the people that he's lost in his tenure, and that that unit has continued to perform. They did not perform in, this year. year. The defensive I, line I was terrible. I just think our best assistant coach just went to our most hated rival, and that yeah. drives me crazy. I, I, I mean, I, I think he's done a nice job. I'm not saying I don't like the guy. I'm just saying it was alarming how bad the defensive line was this year. I think early in the season it was, but I think linebacker played played a role in that as well. I, again, I just the way our defense runs. Um, again, the, the two defensive tackles, and we've got undersized tackles, but that's why they get so many sacks. 
I think Onyemata is going to follow him. Don't be shocked if Onyemata ends up in, in, in Atlanta. Well, but I mean, fine. But I mean, Gus has done nothing in two years. He's done nothing. Well, again, we say nothing, but they were fifth in the league in sacks. Kevin, that's something. Going to a team that, that he did was not. He, he was he was awful when he came off his expense. Ex, um, uh, suspension last year, and and I thought he was going to be good this year, and he was terrible. Now, like he showed up in like week fifteen, and I'm like, where have you been all season? <laughs> no, I, I, I look, I'm not saying I was happy about it, but I I really think the biggest disappointment on this team this year was the defensive line. Uh, I'll, I'll argue it was the offensive line, but uh, we'll just we'll just differ as we normally do. That's okay. Killer brother. All right. Take care. I mean, I just. Now, you could say, well, it was a personnel issue. That's that could be. I mean, you could argue that like Davenport was just miserable. Um, You could say, well, it was injuries. Yeah. Peyton Turner didn't do anything, but Peyton Turner also didn't seem to get much better either. Like, how many first-round picks do you have to give a unit to perform? You know, I I, I thought, um, I thought Street would be okay and Tunnel would be okay. I mean, they didn't stop. They got just gashed on the line until late. And um, I don't know. I, I I think the biggest disappointment this year was the defensive line. Now, that doesn't mean I'm glad that he went to the Falcons. I don't think he's a bad coach at all. I don't know what happened. I expected the defensive line to be good because I think Granderson's good, and he showed that late. But, again, it took, like, 12 weeks before they started performing like we thought they could perform for some of those guys. So, I, I – but I'm not the, heartbroken by it. To the I'm caller's saying. point, though, the defense, I felt like, figured it out. In the second half of the season, they went eight games. The last eight games of the season, they didn't give up more than 20 points, which when you give up 20 points, you should win games. Now, <clears> we had <throat> crawfish, as you like to call them, playing quarterback, so we weren't able to do that. But well, I felt again, like they figured it. And the linebacking core is, I mean, I thought was fantastic for most of the season. So I would disagree with that. But No, I thought I think the linebacker, I, I, I really – but again, coming into this season, what was everyone saying? We got no tight ends. We have no depth at linebacker. And the tight ends played way better than we thought. And the and the linebackers were tremendous. The, the pro, My biggest question coming into how long would it take for the safeties? See, once again, everything about this season for the Saints was square peg, round hole. The beginning of the year, the offense actually had a stretch there for about a month where it was the most productive offense in the NFL for about a three- or four-week period, and the defense was miserable. Like, if you want to just throw up, go rewatch that Cardinals-Saints game, that Thursday night game the Astros were playing. I was trying to watch that. That was not even football. Like, that, they were so miserable. That might have been the worst performance in the history of the Saints. That defense, that day. But they also they gave miserable. up two touchdowns because of Andy Dalton pick sixes, which, again, the first one was fluky. It was a bouncing ball. but And the other one was because they dropped the pass. I thought some they, of the defenses they were, that, they were just that Breeze dealt with in the 7-9 and nine seasons well, were way worse. Yeah, and, and that's and another reason why it's so hard to watch the Chiefs play because their defensive coordinator was a defensive coordinator during the, the, the silly bounty gate, and the defense was just miserable. 
But no, I mean, that. I, but again, square peg round hole. At the beginning of the year, the offense was doing some things. The defense was miserable. And then at the end of the year, the defense got really good and the offense was inept. I still felt like when the offense was scoring points, I felt like there was circumstances that led to it. Late game, garbage point. And it was like you look up at the stats at the end of the week, and yeah, they put up points and yards, but it, I never felt confident in that offense, uh, especially once Michael Thomas was officially out and gone and never coming back. You had yeah. the emergence of Shahid, but I never. I felt like the defense figured things out, and, and at the end of the year, the team was where they were supposed to be defensively, which was top 10 unit. The offense, though, I mean, and it wasn't fully their fault. It was injuries, but it they've got to fix some things. Well, again, it was well, – they. I still think the majority of the personnel is there. You just have to you, – you had a you had receivers that needed to be getting down the field, and you had crawfish at quarterback, square peg, wrong hole. You just – and obviously the injuries on the offensive line, there's nothing you can do about that. Um but, I mean, if Jarvis plays, if Jarvis, if either Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry play 15, 16, 17 games, I think the Saints have a winning season or in the playoffs. They, they, you have to have a possession receiver. Like, did it not cross your mind when, 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 the, Bengals, when the Bengals went forward on fourth down? And Burrow threw, throws it up and into double coverage. And Chase jumps up and catches the ball. I mean, when he, the minute that happened, I'm like, you see, if the Saints ran that play, and they have, and the quarterback throws into double coverage, the receiver doesn't come close to catching the ball. The, the, how many times this year did the Saints actually have a receiver that g- jumped up and caught a 50-50 ball? That never happens. That was like one of the biggest problems on this team. Like the receivers at times look good, but they 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 can't make catch. They the receivers have got to start making those catches. They've got to. And but to your point, as and from a roster construction standpoint with Mickey Loomis, he had two of those guys on the roster and they didn't play. They so, didn't play exactly. Yeah, there's it was, not much you can do about that. It, it, it's um, it, it's so frustrating. But no. To Joey's point, I'm not saying it was good, but I, I don't. I thought the defensive line was one of the biggest disappointments of the season. So I'm not going to sit here and get all upset about it. You know, just is what it is. And plus, he was like a cool defensive coordinator, whatever that means. You know, I'm not all worried about that. All right, we'll take a timeout. Be back. This is Footnotes on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us UL men's basketball coach, Bob Marlin. How are you, coach? Doing great, Kevin. How are you this morning? I bet you are. The weather's a little musty, but, you know, you've been uh, – the Cages of winning. I had a had a perfect 
spotless uh, winning record in January and going into February with some big home games. You got Texas State on Thursday and then Marshall, a game that a lot of people have been looking for, a matchup a lot of people for uh, for Saturday. It's just an exciting time right now. Yeah, we've been playing good basketball, and uh, guys have really enjoyed the crowd coming out and supporting them. Hopefully we can continue to build and get our attendance back up where it needs to be. We currently stand in fifth in the league in attendance, uh, Kevin, and we're behind the, the four new teams. So we, we're looking for big crowds this week, want to support our guys and, and help us on this drive to a championship season. The, um, you know, the, your win on Saturday, people are going to be talking about for for a long time, and, and, and it's a game that whenever anybody, whenever you get behind a little bit, people, I think, are, our minds are going to go back to that game. Is, is, have y'all, I'm sure y'all have already reached a point where, all right, we got to stop talking and thinking about that game, got to move forward to, the, to this weekend. Yeah, we turned the page on Sunday as a staff and players and uh, enjoyed it Saturday night and Sunday and then got back into work yesterday and focused on Texas State, a team that we did not play very well against and were fortunate to beat in San Marcos. So what um... – you know, they're the kind of team that likes to muddy up a game, not that different than Troy, who kind of normally likes to muddy up a game. What didn't go particularly well uh, in San Marcos that you remember? Our defense was up and down. It was good at times, and it was good at the end of the game, the last seven minutes. I think they only got one field goal. Uh, but um, they, they're they just a, a patient team, Kevin. They're going to continue to grind and – use clock, they want to utilize clock, keep the score down, and uh, limit the possessions for each team. So how tricky is it? It seemed like it'd be a little tricky when you go into a game. For instance, you know, if somebody was preparing for your team and, you know, preparing for Jordan Brown being there and then he's not there, like – it has to change what, what you know. It changes your strategy a little bit. Just like you're going into this game, and you don't know for sure if Mason Harrell, who's their best player and their and kind of their floor leader kind of guy, and arguably their best shooter and all, and like you don't know if he's going to be there. So how, that's got to complicate preparation a little bit. It, it does a little bit, uh, Kevin. But we're prepared. We know that uh, we're going to guard those guys the same way. If he plays, we guard him the way that we work on. So it just really affects the matchups if someone doesn't play. So playing at home um, obviously has been very good. You haven't lost a home game all year long. The one thing that I like about this team is the leaders that you have, and even a guy like a Terrence Lewis, every time we talk to him – he, he just – he keeps everything real simple and basic and let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, it seems like you've got enough leaders on this team that you probably don't even have to say that as coaches as often as you would on some teams because they seem to, to get it. Yeah, they do. They, we've got good leadership from, you know, Greg Williams at the guard spot, Control Garnett, um, certainly uh, Themis has done a good job. 
with uh, this season, and I thought he was. I thought all three of those guys were absolutely spectacular on, on Saturday night with the way they led and helped us get back in that game. It was kind of strange, and I, I think it, it was total game circumstance. But like Kobe had an, a really nice performance, breakout game. Anybody who knows his story was very happy for him, and you could tell it it, it lifted his spirits on, on Thursday. Uh, and then the, because of the way the game went Saturday, he wasn't able to play. It, it just didn't work out where he'd play a lot of minutes. But it seems like he's ready to kind of get a big, be a bigger part of the rotation right now. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't have to score, Kevin, uh, to help our team. He takes charges. He rebounds the ball. He gets steals. Uh, he's gotten better defensively this year. And some games, you get in foul situation. There were two jump balls, I thought, with him, and he got called for fouls on both of them. So uh, I appreciate his aggressiveness trying to get in there and, and steal the thing. But some games he'll score, some games he won't. But I thought the Thursday game was big for him, as you said, because he came out, he made three threes, he made a spinning two in the second half and uh, really played like Kobe Julian of old. Do you feel like, you know, Joe, I've, we've talked a lot about Joe Charles in recent weeks, and, and he's done some things very well. Um, obviously, his shooting so far this year has not been what he would hope or you would hope, even though that's not really what makes him has made him so valuable. He can defend, he can rebound, he can block shots, he can pass the ball, those things. But y'all are still going to him. He got a couple passes in the block. He, he shot a couple big threes, hit one. Um you know, it seemed like any if he if he can continue to progress, that could make y'all even better down the stretch. I'm talking about offensively. Yeah, he's he has progressed. You know, he played great at South Alabama and Monroe. Those two trip, those two games on the same trip. I want to say Joe was 12 of 13 from the floor for those two games, Kevin. And you know, just like the other night, he gets what eight points, seven rebounds, uh, a couple of blocks, a steal a couple assists. I mean, he does a little bit of everything for our team, and he's really good defensively, and, and uh, he's, he's played big at the end of many games, and he will moving forward. You, you, you've mentioned the crowd, and obviously you want as many fans there. You want interest. You want the impact that they have on the game. And I do think the crowd probably impacted the momentum of the game more on Saturday than it has all season and, and maybe in quite a while. H- how important can that be? Obviously, there's a lot of attention on Saturday's game with the fabulous Cajun chicken coming back and the team playing so well and playing the team that a lot of people thought was kind of the team to beat in, in the conference in the preseason for y'all. Uh, how important can the crowd be in the actual outcome of the game on Saturday? Well, when you play uh, – Old Dominion, like we did during on New Year's Eve, and had over four thousand people at that game. I mean, it makes a difference. It makes an impact, and our fans are the best. And if we give them something to stand behind, which we've done, then they they come out in in droves. And I know there's a buzz going around the city right now, in the parish and Acadiana, and we need all those people to come and help cheer on these guys and and. It, but it makes a huge difference, Kevin. It really does. I thought the, the dome was as loud the other night as I've heard it in 10 years. So the the other 
we talked about Kobe. The other player who's still kind of easing his way back and uh, is Michael Thomas. Do you feel like he's back uh, and kind of where he was before, or where is he in that process? He's doing well. We felt like he played better Saturday than he did Thursday. Uh, made some good passes for us and, and got a bucket, missed one shot. But uh, Mike is valuable to our team. He came in and was able to spell Themis for about 10 minutes, you know, a few minutes in each half. And Themis was able to, to carry the torch to the finish line and do a good job. So Mike's very valuable to our group. We talked yesterday about Jalen Dalcourt. And, you know, in the last four games, I think he's only scored four four points, but he's only taken 10 shots. Is is it, uh, you know, I don't know how much of that is just him being a little gun shy because he's in a little slump. You know, it seems like it's even more than anybody else in the team. It's going to be very important that if he can knock down one or two of his next, you know, attempts, whether it's Thursday or Saturday, just knock down one or two shots to, to get some confidence back. He shot it great in practice. Uh, he hasn't practiced great all the time, but he shot it great. And he will break out of this soon. I mean, he started the year off last year, maybe two for 17. Uh, this year he started off conference play from three, shooting it outstanding. He was up at 50% for a while. But uh, he's got to be able to stay on the floor. Kevin, he got in foul trouble the other night, didn't play but about six minutes. I think he played maybe 20 against uh, Troy on Thursday, but it really just depends who's in the game. And when the ball gets kicked out, we've got several three-point shooters. And you just alluded to Joe and certainly Kentrell and uh, Greg and Kobe, uh, as as well as Jalen, can make three-point shots. So, and two guys on the bench may be two of our best shooters in, in Vinny Sagona and Chancellor White. So we feel confident we can shoot the ball and. And uh, someone else will take the load until Jalen come, comes back full, full go. All righty, Coach. We're a lot of anticipation for this weekend. Looking forward to two more home games and the team on fire with eight straight wins. Congratulations and good luck this weekend. Thanks, Kevin. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And you know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Two footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, and we were just talking UL men's basketball coach Bob Marlin. And look, this is a um, an exciting time. The Cajuns have been 7-0 before, but they have never been uh, 8-0 in the month of January. And that's just a statistic. The bottom line is they're playing very well. This team really should be 9-1. and Like, we we he's he alluded to the old Dominion game again, and 
They shoulda, woulda, coulda won the Old Dominion game. But they got outplayed. That was a game you would say they deserved to lose. They just didn't win. I mean, they didn't get blown out. They lost by four. But uh, even though they were down by 22, I think, at one point, they came back and cut it to two and had a chance to win. They just didn't. But the the, the loss, to, they should have won. I mean, they outplayed them the whole game. They just, you know, some crazy stuff happened in the last few minutes, and they didn't, they didn't win the game. But they really should have won that game. But even if you just say they should have lost, I mean, they've won eight in a row, and things are, are looking really good. You, the, the conference, every time you kind of feel like they're about to, we figured this team out or that team out, they lose some games. You know, Southern Miss didn't look all that impressive when they came to the Cajun Dome. But again, they've obviously played better against other teams because, you know, they they only have two losses too. And so, again, I, I don't think this team is, like, perfect. You know, I don't think, oh, man, this team, how does anybody going to beat them? You can see how they can lose in that at times they don't play good defense. At times they miss a ton of free throws. But – over the years, when the Cajuns haven't won, we, we we would go to press conferences or do radio interviews with Coach Marlin or, or Coach Murphy, and the answer would be, well, we, you just got to make more shots. Like, they have the ability to shoot the basketball this year. Not in every game, but in most games. That just covers up so much. Like, in the past... You know, every year it was like, do you have a point guard and can you make three pointers? Well, every year they say we're gonna they're gonna make all these three pointers, and it normally does not happen. Well, this year it's happened. And it just shows you what making shots in basketball can it, it can just cover up so much that you don't do perfect in other areas. Yeah, and and I fully agree with that. And it it brings me back to, again, the last time they had shooting like that was the 2018 team with Frank Bartley and Cedric Russell as a freshman and those guys. But, I mean, this week's setting up to be one of the better weeks in recent memory. And, in, again, Saturday, it's kind of like the stars aligning, right? You have a great opponent coming in, the Cajun chicken, everything like that. Crowd was already pretty good last Saturday. So I'm excited. Now, Thursday night, Mason Harrell is like the Jose Alvarado of the Sunbelt Conference. That guy's been driving me crazy for four years now. At point guard for Texas State, he missed the last game. If he plays, you got to handle him because he's he's a problem. And that Texas State team, again, you mentioned it, they will slow the game down and beat you 46-44 to 44 if they can. Oh, that's what they're going to try to do, yes. So you need to avoid the, the look-ahead game as well. Looking ahead to Marshall, you can't do that because Texas State is, uh, you know, again, not a – not a bottom tier team. They're in the middle, and they're trying to push their way up up the standings. And remember, they won the re- the Sun Belt Conference regular season the last two seasons. Now, they they may not be as good, but they still have a lot, several of the same names. It's not like none of these guys were a part of that. So, and and, and the best player on all those, you know, was Harold, like you mentioned. So, I I, I understand what Coach Marlin said, but I I just still think it's a little tricky to not really know. You know, because I think it it had to mess with Troy. And I don't know when Troy found out that Jordan Brown wasn't playing. But if you go into a game and you're, you know that if you're preparing for the Cajuns right now, a pretty high percentage of your defensive game planning is about what in the world, how are we going to defend Jordan Brown? 
And when he's not there, I mean, they were down 22 to 5 before they turned around. It's like th- this is not what we prepared for. And to further that point exactly, I think it was South Alabama on the road a couple of weeks ago. Their big man, you know, gets ruled out right before the game. And then yes. this guy who nobody's heard of averaging one point a game, he had like 12 points the first six minutes of the game. Could, he scored the first seven points of the game for him. I mean, for South Alabama. By the way, I still think South Alabama's good. I, I don't know why. They've had some good performances since the KG game. I thought they played really. I still think that was the best game of the season in terms of beginning to end, back and forth, good play, good play, punch, counter punch. I think the South Alabama game was the best game this season. Um, and hopefully at, come Monday morning we can say the Marshall game was the best game as long as the Cajuns win, obviously. Cajun fans want them to win. But, um, no, it's it, it's going to be good. Look, it's been a while since we've had big crowds. You know, Coach Marlin said, I looked up statistics yesterday because we have an idea of maybe what things are. Coach Marlin's first year here in 2011, the Cajuns at the end of the year were playing well. They got on a winning streak, and they had like 7,000 for Western Kentucky. They had 8,000 for Denver. Seven and 8,000 fans. And, like, the other night looked pretty good. I mean, but there was still only 3,500 fans. You know, we, and I understand, like he said, the Cadians are fifth in the conference. It's not like they're, like, bottom of the league or anywhere. But I, I'm hoping for at least – I'd like to get to six and maybe I'm fooling myself. You think six is unrealistic of a goal for Saturday? No, but I also am always skeptical of how attendance is counted because Cajun Field, like not to say it was packed this year, but those numbers were so much lower than previous year's numbers when the crowds weren't much lower. So I, I feel like it's a weird thing of like tickets counted and paid attendance and all that stuff. So I, I always, the number that gets reported, I always like to just be there and have an understanding of myself of like how full the place looks because I always think those get muddy. I, I agree, but I trust the Cajun Dome attendances over baseball, softball, or football, to be fair with you. Like, I, I don't, I, but I think that's a good point that you make. All right, that's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome. Back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers in the World Series champion Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you would like to get in, talk Cajun basketball. Um, you know, I was thinking... If you are a big Pelicans and LSU men's basketball fan, boy, what a miserable month of January this has been. Has anyone won a game? Has either one won a game? Like maybe a couple. They've won a couple wins, but not many. Now, if you're an LSU women's basketball fan uh, as well, then that, and, you, and you've got a lot of, lot of good things to – and are a Cajun men or women's basketball fan, then you've had some really nice wins. But, man – if you are a Pelican and an LSU men's basketball fan, it's 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 been a struggle. 
But fortunately, uh, in these parts, for a lot of the basketball, you, you might root for a high school team or you might root for the Cajuns or LSU women. There's a lot of people that follow LSU women as well. Uh, especially now, and uh, you know they've obviously they had a they had some really iffy stretches in last night's game, to be honest. But um, but they won the game, and it was a humongous crowd, and uh, all of that part um, w- w- was good. And so that was um, you know give you some encouragement. So if you want to talk basketball in a you know championship games leading into the Super Bowl, quarterback scenarios, any of that that we talked about earlier, certainly feel free to call and again it is 706-0111. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. How's it going, Kevin? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Look, I uh I want you I want to be able to tell Dawson how you were how you were Act when you would go to uh, college basketball games when you were into college basketball. Oh. Did you tell him? Did you tell him what you were like, Kevin? No, we, ha- we haven't gone that far. We're, we're just—it's a process. We're just getting to know each uh, other right now. Okay, Dalton. This, this is what he would do. He would get. Oh, he would get very, very animated. Now he would always be on the referee. So to make sure the referee saw him, he would go and stand behind the scores table. And wait till the referee comes to, to signal the, the player's number, and he'd be right there to fuss at him. Oh, right, I, right I just wanted to make sure they understood what they were doing wrong. I mean, I didn't know Kevin at that time. I was saying, "Oh my God, he is crazy!" <laughs> and then, and then I got to know him, and I found out he was crazy. But, you know. <laughs> no, and again. You know, some of these little promos we do are just fun, ch- tongue in cheek, and some of them are accurate. I really had to. I, I just, I just can't. I just, I just can't. My temperament and how I look at games, I just, I just can't be a diehard basketball fan like I used to be. But no, you, you're right. I used to be diehard. I just love. I mean, I it used to kill me. Live and die. I wish we. I wish they had film of that, Kevin. Oh, my God, I wish they had film of that. You were so hilarious. I mean, the, the Cajun chicken had nothing on you back then, buddy. <laughs> hey, Kevin, hey, can I, can I give some analysis on what I think what the Super Bowl is going to be about? Absolutely. Go ahead. Kevin, let me tell you what I think was going to be the main part for the Super Bowl. You know, Kevin, I think Philly has two of the best shutdown corners in the, in the NFL, in Slay and Bradford. I mean, uh, Bradbury. Bradbury came from, I think, the Giants. He was a shutdown corner over there. So they have two shutdown corners, and they have your boy, the other one, uh, from uh, the St. Johnson. You know, they led the lead in sacks. And like, the, the number, the total they had was only second to the 95 there, or 85 there. But I think that sack total is only that high is because of those guys in the secondary. There's no time that the quarterbacks have no place to throw the ball. And you can look at the Kansas City going to that game with Tony's out. Uh, I think uh, uh, Hardman, they say he's going to come back, but I think Juju's going to be out. I mean, they don't have no receivers. Hardly there. I mean, with a Sky Moore is going to be playing and uh, Scantling. I mean, and the Kelsey's good. Yeah, well, very I, good I too, think but. the Eagles are better than the Chiefs. And, and, and now. What they don't, what the Eagles don't have, is that kind of experience. Obviously, the experience at that level for Mahomes, even though he's really not that old, is above what what Hurts is. But uh, you know, the Cheaters' defense is better than the Chiefs' defense. 
Yes. Yes. But Kevin, you know, I, I'm scared to think that this Super Bowl might look like what it was when Tampa Bay played uh, Tennessee a couple of years ago. I think it might be that. Now, the only thing I could think, if, if Reed got two weeks to scheme up something, and you know, because he's going to probably know the same situation where we're talking about. I know he will. And he might scheme up something else to relieve that, to have more like, you know, uh, in the rounds, you know, a little trickery like he does and he's very good at. But unless he does that, ah, I don't think they match up to Philly. But anyway, hey, look, before I go, if anybody has any footage of foot back in the, uh, the days where he was uh, standing behind the scorer's table, please send it. That's going to be a YouTube. Uh, I mean, gonna, the kids is going to be on that, Kevin. It, it's going to go viral, buddy. I'll have a good one. All right. Take care. Oh. One time, the Cajuns were playing, um, what's that team? Stetson. And they had a guard named Jorge Fernandez. And he, George Almonds went up for a shot, and Fernandez fouled him, grabbed his arm, and pulled it down. And they didn't call the foul. And I don't even really, I don't, because I have no athletic ability, none. I was, I, I was in like the fifth or sixth row of those seats in Blackham. This was way before your time. They used to have these seats on Blackham before the main seats in the stands, and we would sit. I was in high school, but it was we went and sit where the college students sit. And I found myself on somehow I jumped four or five rows with people below me, got on the court and was charging the court. And this cop, my friend said the cop went for his gun. He was coming to get He said, we're going to get arrested. That's not the first time people thought I was going to get him arrested because I got kind of lost my mind at a Cajun basketball game. But anyway, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Oh, foot, foot, foot. Foot. Yes, sir. I was having a a glorious morning until I called, and I'm going to call that guy A.D. or D.A., the new guy. Didn't know he was an Astro fan. That's what we're doing now? We're just hiring Astro fans? Oh, yeah. Why you hate Astro fans? No, 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 no. We got to get some Yankees at least in there. I mean, come on. We got to mix it up, foot. Sports rivalry. (sighs) Come on. Can't keep getting Astro fans, but don't worry. Uh, I guess I got to embrace. Uh, the man's got good nothing. taste. What do you want me to do for? Uh, no, that's not good taste. That's not good taste. They're not Astros. <laughs> so, you know, I'm getting ready for baseball season. I don't know about y'all, but, you know, our Saints been out, so I've been getting ready for baseball season. You know, I'm glorious about the the, the, the 49ers out and the Cowgirls and my Knicks doing good and Kelly's not. Okay. But I didn't call for that foot. That's what I call about. I heard you in your first take when y'all first opened up, when you talking about Brady. And the and the cheaters. I think Brady would fit with the 49ers because, you know, he's scared to get hit. You know, he likes to do them dunks and dacks. You know, dunk it would fit him. But I don't I don't, I don't think he matches up with what they do on offense. I, I really don't. But it, it does because he liked to, you know, if you notice and when he was in New England all the way till not this year, but all the way to his time in Tampa. Not his first year in Tampa. They changed the system to the New England. And you remember New England, he liked to do them little, to um, James White, them little dunks and dacks. Because he's scared to get hit easy, you know, almost kind of like what the Saints did with Breed. So that would fit him. But it was reported for the last, from the since he left the Patriots to this point, it was reported inside of that the Shanahan's wouldn't accept him because. If the Shannon, if they would win with Brady, it's going to be because of Brady. He's going to get all the credit. Now, you know football like I know. You know more than me. 
the Shanahan's want that critic. And you know, well, that's what I say. I, I don't. I don't think son. his ego. I don't think he wants Brady in there. I, I, I'm with you. Exactly. I, look, they I'm don't. not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying I'll be surprised if that happens. I know everybody's saying it. it. I, I, I know, could see him going to the Jets or the Raiders before he goes to the Cheaters. I think. I I say the Jets, but he been reported since he wanted to go to the 49ers. It been reported, and he came out and someone said, "I I, I can find the interview," but he said he want to go to the 49ers. He love, yes, he a fan of him. He a Joe Montana fan. He he want to go there, but the the Shanahan's won't accept him. It, it's been on TV. It's been reported. I've been watching it for some years now. Well, we'll 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 we'll, we'll see what happens. I would be a surprise. Now, to Dawson's point, it it fits him going staying away from the Raiders division would fit right in with his pleasure cruise because he's never had yep. an uphill climb in his whole career. He's all he's had it easy his whole career. Um, I agree with that, but uh, so that would fit into the pleasure cruise part of it. But I, but I just much. don't think personality and scheme wise. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think next season gonna be a pleasure cruise if he go to that. You know, we we thought this year that that AFC West was gonna be the the toughest, right? But we all was wrong, right? But when you look at Kellen Moore going, to Kellen Moore is not a bad offensive coordinator. That just is what he is. He he got two coaches fired, just like Baker got two, three. Is what it is. He he did everything, but that's that, that kind of getting a little tougher. And then the Raiders going. You add the Raiders with him and Josh. You know Josh ain't a good head coach, but you know that was his guy called plays. And Brady's gonna be able to have it his way if he go there, the way he love it. He's like the coach, the GM, and everything there. And the Bra- Look, Brady is not gonna have a say so. Playing for Shanahan, Shanahan exactly. But with the Raiders, I'm, he would. Oh, with the Ra- yeah, with the Raiders, he he might. You know, Josh, although Josh although Josh again, him. he's he's got his own offense too. I, I don't know. I I, I think just, Brady I'm, would have more say so on what goes on with the Jets than any of those. Teams. I, I get it. I just want to yeah. respond to that foot. Look, I, I, I understand care about what's going on with our Saints and our division, if anything. So I just want to respond to that. And last but not least, before you let. Last but not least, that's all I got to say. I've been calling out Ronnie since this morning. You know you love good rivalries, right? Yes. Well, my my Knicks play my rivalry, them fakers, your team, them fakers. Tonight, me and Ronnie have a bet, and I want to make a new bet or renegotiate the bet. There's a movie coming out called The 80s Brady. You know he – Oh, I can't watch that, Joe. Right. You know he don't like Brady. If he lose to me, he got to watch that movie 100% <laughs> and come on your own oh, hair. No. And not the clips. that He got to know that, you know, the clips is one thing. But he got to watch that movie to say that, hey, that let oh. us know that, hey, I watched this movie. That's my offer, my bet no to way him. I'll he ain't been bet. answering all day, but he want to text and laugh. No way um, I'll make that bet. And if I lose, he got to say, what's my loss? No That's way. what I want. No I'm way. coming. All right, and, all right. I, I can't. I can't take anymore. Tar- right, that's torture. That's torture. No, no. That's, that's torture. Great. That's great. That's great robbery. <laughs> it's the, it's the <laughs> Lakers. Are, it's like Lakers against Celtics. Oh it's no. I, 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 I no. I get it. All right. Thanks, Paul. Win, I got, got Paul. I can't. I can't take anymore. I can't take anymore. That, that's enough. I can't take anymore. Oh, there's no way I'd make a bet like that. No way. We'll be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us new Lafayette Christian Academy Knights head football coach Hunter Landry. How are you, sir? How's it going, Coach Kevin? Thank you for having me. Well, first of all, what what has this last month or so been like? I mean, do you have times where you every once in a while you're like, man, I'm the head coach at LCA now. I mean, is it kind of amaze you still? Right, right. I, I don't think it's set in yet. Um, just because it's uh, you know, it's kind of the off season, so there's not much going on. Uh, but uh, it, it's been going been going really well. Just uh, working out and uh, doing a little conditioning, and then uh, you know, last couple of weeks just with uh, you know, college coaches coming on campus. Uh, it was a kind of a cool experience for me. I know the kids enjoyed it, but it was also uh, kind of enjoyable for me to you know see all these. Uh, teams from SEC to Sun Belt to you know all over uh, coming by, so it was a it was a cool experience for sure. And I know y'all've got uh, big news on Saturday. It's been announced through social media that Jawan, your quarterback, is going to make a college announcement. I mean, that's nothing new. Good, all the great talent that has come out of LCA in recent years, but it's still exciting. I'm sure. Right, right. I know. Uh, I know he's uh, excited. He's uh, you know he's been on a few uh, visits. He's uh, He's kind of a quiet kid, so you know you don't hear a whole lot about uh you know which way people ask me uh you know man what's he doing and I'm like man he keeps to himself he uh he's not big on uh you know talking about things like that he just uh you know I know he was trying to talk to some coaches this week kind of uh, narrow it down and um and you know now he's he's excited to kind of get it over with uh, but I joked with him I'm like even though you commit Saturday I said it's still not gonna stop you know the coaches will still be calling you and stuff but uh. He's enjoyed it um, for sure. He's enjoyed the experience and uh, all the visits, and um, I think he's just kind of ready to get this over with and then uh, and then get back to work. Now, with all the coaches that you that you've spoken to about him, and I'm sure talking to him about when he goes on visits, how many of them are, are recruiting him as a as a quarterback, or do you what what a position do you kind of guess he'll eventually play at the college level? So I'm I'm thinking it'll be a defensive back, uh, probably more of a, a corner. Uh, I know UL, I think was uh, interested in him as a, as a quarterback. Um, they liked uh, you know they liked what they saw from him in uh, in the semifinals and the state championship and uh, and how dynamic he was. Uh, so I think they were one of the few that that wanted him as more of a quarterback. Uh, but most of the uh, most of the SEC and big offers came as a defensive back. So I would assume he's probably going to be more of a cornerback uh, at the next level. Again, we're speaking with new LCA head football coach Hunter Landry. So, Hunter, uh, have you kind of – have you had time during this time? Like you said, it's it's the off season, and so I'm sure you've done a lot of thinking, like trying to kind of like play out how, think, how seasons go and how is it going to be now in your new role as opposed to being the offensive coordinator. Oh, right. Uh, it, it's still, um, it's still all, you know, taking it day by day. 
Um, I, I've been very fortunate to have Coach Falk, uh, you know, still coming in every now and then or um, a phone call away to, uh, you know, to ask him any questions. Uh, so it's kind of been going through him if I have any questions. Uh, other than that, you know, the kids have responded well to it. Um, you know, they, they understand, uh, you know, they – the mission is going to still be the same. You know, the ultimate goal is going to be the same. Uh, it's just going to be coming from a different person. But uh, but they've been putting in a lot of good work, and uh, and they're they're just excited for the season to uh, get started. You know, we 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 look at it more at the professional level, but it's still roughly the same dynamic at the high school level. Some guys who go from coordinators to being head coaches you know, find different challenges? Uh, are you, have you, have you finalized or how close are you to finalizing your coaching staff and totally establishing how the like game protocols, like do you plan on calling the plays totally like you did as an OC as a head coach or how, how, where are y'all in that figuring all that process out? Yes, sir. So uh, we still kind of narrowing down the, um, the search for a defensive coordinator. Um, been in contact with a few guys and uh, just trying to get to know them. And um, kind of like I told uh, a few of them, you know, it was uh, – I'm not it, – it, Coach Falk stepping down kind of came at a good time. Uh, you know, it's not really a rush right now to to hurry up and name somebody, um, on at least on the defensive side. Uh, you know, just trying to make sure we get the right guy that's going to fit in, um, you know, with our kids and stuff like that. Um, and then once I kind of get a guy like that, I'll be able to kind of – you know, go forward with uh, assistance. Uh, we have most of them coming back from last year, so that'll be uh, that'll be good for us. And then uh, offensively, uh, I, I plan on still calling the plays offensively uh, for us. Um, so it'll be it'll be familiar for the kids, uh, you know, uh, in that aspect. And then uh, it'll be kind of new for me um, in trying to, you know, see things defensively and be more involved on the defensive side of the ball and special teams, stuff like that stuff that, you know, I didn't really have to worry a whole lot about last year, but uh, you know, it's just going to uh, grow and uh, it comes with the role. So, you know, we just, we excited for it. Again, we're speaking with Hunter Landry and you head football coach at LCA and you know, it wasn't that long ago. Y'all were known as a defensive program, a defensive football team and y'all were winning state championships more, um, you know, with scores ten to seven, and 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 more like that, and, and really just outstanding defensively. How much of and lately, you know, obviously I I covered your game against Turlings, which was just an incredible offensive display on both sides, as well as the state championship game that you almost won against St. Thomas More, which was back and forth. How much of it has to do with personnel, and how much of it has to do with scheme? developing into such a dominant offensive program over the last two years. Right. And, and, uh, I think a lot of it starts with, uh, with Juwan, you know, when you got a guy like that, you know, that's, uh, almost once in a lifetime in your coaching career, you get somebody that's as dynamic as him. Um, you know, a lot of it goes through him, um, you know, and him being, uh, kind of a two year starter. Uh, I think he was more comfortable at the quarterback position um, and he wasn't just, uh, you know, a strictly a runner. Um, I think he led, you know, including playoffs. I think he led the state in passing uh, with over 4,000 yards. Uh, so, you know, I know, um, you know, I know he's a tremendous runner for us, but uh, he, he did really uh, exceptionally well for us as, as well, throwing the football. And then uh, we, he had a good complement of receivers. 
We had um, Alonzo, uh, senior that just graduated. He was, uh, for I think, the first thousand-yard receiver in school history, which is, uh, you know, kind of kind of big in itself with the you know the receivers that have come out of here the last couple of years. Um, and then we had Trey Grogan who stepped up, uh, you know, at the end of the season and kind of into the playoffs for us. So Juwan was surrounded by you know a good skill group. And then uh, we returned. I think last year we had returned. Um, we had returned three out of the five offensive linemen uh, had came back, and so I think that was a, a big plus for us. Uh, most of those guys were, uh, you know, two uh, two-year starters or plus two or three-year starters. Um, so they had a lot of experience. Uh, we're gonna probably miss them a, a lot up front. Um, we returned two, three guys up front, uh, so that'll be uh, big for us. And then uh, skill position-wise, we returned. A good bit of uh, of our production from last year, but uh, you know it'll, it'll be some young guys that are going to be called upon to uh, you know to step up for us, and uh, and I think they're ready. They've been putting in a lot of work so far. Um, you know, hopefully they have a, a great spring and a great summer, and uh, and to get things rolling. So, how much more defense will Jawan play? Uh, so um, it, we've been very fortunate. Uh, to, to not have to rely on guys going both ways. Uh, Sage last, uh, about two or three years ago when Sage was here, you know, he, uh, I mean, he was one of the top safeties in the country. And I think his junior and senior year, he might've played, uh, you know, 20 snaps at safety. Uh, we've just been very fortunate that uh, we never needed guys to play both ways. Um, this year, uh, we, we have some young guys that are going to have to step up, but, uh, I know there'll be games where, um, you know, Jawan may have to help us a little bit more. Um, and that'll just kind of be, you know, uh, a game plan going into the game. You know, uh, a lot of the teams that throw the football, he may have to play a whole lot more, um, you know, corner, safety, uh, wherever we need him. Um, and I, I know he'll be up for it. Uh, and I also want to be, uh, you know, do my part with helping him out. You know, I know the transitions from high school to college will be different for him. Uh, so I'd like to help him out a little bit with, uh, you know, making sure that he gets some game reps uh, under his belt and that way he's not going to college uh, strictly off of never playing defensive back uh, other than, you know, summer stuff and, and things like that. So he'll probably play a little bit. Um, he's just so dynamic for us offensively that, uh, you know, he's, uh, he brings a lot to the table offensively. So, uh, you know, that'll be a, kind of a week-to-week deal. All righty, sir. Well, I just wanted to catch up with you. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, the next year and, you know, the off season and going into the summer and the, you know, the first, your first season as head coach is all going to be very memorable and exciting. So uh, good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach Foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ooh, 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Appreciate Coach Hunter Landry coming on. He's a young head football coach, and um, it'll be very interesting to see in such a power district and such a power program how that works out. Great guy, and um, looking forward to covering him more uh, as this season goes on. All right. Again, the game hotline, 706-0111, I want to get back. Because of the, the uniqueness of the quarterback, we, we led the show with that. But, look, I try not to react too much to what I hear. We talked quite a bit yesterday. and What we discussed on this show was not what you heard around town, probably. It's certainly not what you heard nationally. But does, and, I, and, look, I understand that there's so many QWs in this world, in this country right now, that they can't help themselves. But – I, I heard it something this morning. They're they're talking about it and the and I, I wish I could remember the word, but essentially what they said that when Patrick Mahomes' Hall of Fame career is over, that I don't know if the word was signature or premiere or but like the performance that everyone's gonna look back to was his performance Sunday. Now, again, if you want to totally make it this Willis Reed thing and 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 just gauge the guts that it took to, to play, I, I, I'm good with that. But I would like to, I mean, like, the, I would like to hear the, um, you want to talk about creative writing. Like, can you? I'd love to hear the John Facenda of that. If it, I mean, you're talking about one of the great quarterbacks of all time, and hear the John Facenda script on that being his signature perf- execution and performance of his great career. Well. The, uh, you know, John would say, um, you know, the, the Bengals went up third. The Bengals went, the Chiefs went up 13 to three, and Bengal quarterback Joe Burrow makes his first bad pass of the game and throws an interception. It's returned to the Bengals 39. And the explosive Chiefs offense led by Patrick Mahomes goes zero yards on three plays and punt. And then Facinda would look like this doesn't sound right. This is his signature performance, and and then and then and then in in the lot, you know, when we go down the stretch, the game is tied at twenty, and they put Patrick Mahomes and the explosive Bengals offense on the field, and he fumbles the football. Wait a minute, we we, we talking about the Bengals offense here, and then the next possession. The Bengals, they drive, they they give the ball to the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, and they punt the football after 18 yards on the drive. You're talking about this is his signature point. And his second to last, Joe Burrow throws another interception, and the Chiefs' offense tries 49 yards on seven plays and punts. Wait a minute. They punted? So in the last four possessions of the game in his signature performance, 
He fumbled. They punted. And then they punted again? Yes, John, keep going. Well, the last possession of Patrick Mahomes in that offense, they ran out of bounds on fourth down with no time left and would have forced overtime. Oh, he gets belled. Oh, it's the signature performance of his whole. You have got to be kidding me. And they're like, with a chance to put the game away at 13 to three, they go zero yards on three plays and punt. In the last four possessions of the second half, they fumbled, they punted, they punted, and if not for a um, a, a late hit on a linebacker from the Bengals, they force overtime. That's what their offense did. And you're talking about this. Like, I heard someone say that the reason why the Chiefs won was because Burrow threw two picks and Mahomes didn't throw one. Well, that sounds right, except for if you watch the game, when Burrow threw his first pick, Mahomes and the Chiefs offense got zero yards on three plays and punted. That didn't cost him the game. On his second pick, they drove, got one or two first downs, and then punted. That didn't cost him the game. No, no, no. The the Chiefs won the game because the defense and the special teams completely bailed them out with with a late hit from Bing. The signature performance of his Hall of Fame career, you got to be kidding me. Like, why do we always have to go to hyperbole when someone wins a game? Like, if that guy doesn't hit him, here's the problem. If Osai doesn't hit him out of bounds and give him a gift, a total gift field goal to win the game, there's a very good chance they were going to lose. Then what would they be talking about? How Joe Burrow is the greatest quarterback of all time and Mahomes was injured. <laughs> Why do they always, if you win the game, you're the greatest ever. And if you lose, you. I mean, why does it have to be that way? Why can't you just say what happened? He, was, he gave an incredibly gutsy performance. They didn't execute all that well, especially in the clutch moments. And the defense and the special teams bailed him out. It's okay. It's a team game. But to say this was the signature performance of his entire career, they were, the offense tried over and over and over and over to blow the game, and they got bailed out. You, like you got, y'all got to be kidding me with this stuff. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, if we had to call back, I told Astro. His name ain't A-D or D-A. I'm going to call him Astro until he become a Yankee fan. Well, he ain't going to become a Yankee start. fan. I want to agree with what you said. I've been waiting for you to say this. What you said, you said about Mahomes. Okay. I want to add to it. He ain't, there ain't no Willis Reed moment, New York Knicks. It ain't no Isaiah Thomas with the ankle. It ain't no flu game with Michael Jordan. No, 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 no. He didn't win that game. I'm going to add something with it. That defensive player, when he went out of, when Mahomes went out of bounds, add that to it. Because um, the way you saying that was going, if he wouldn't have late hit him, that would have been like almost a 60-yard kick. Well, again, the, the, the kicker, it wouldn't have been quite 60, but it would have been like, you know, 50-some. Yeah. And he, he would 55 or 56, he, he wasn't going to make that kick. He, 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 he wasn't. Yeah. And the way the offense was rolling – Man, they give that up to that dude on the defense. And um, one of the guys, Pratt. There's nothing wrong with getting lucky. They just got lucky. He it. got bailed out. Look, I'm going to say Mahomes at this moment, 
might or is the best QB in the game, but I'm nothing. not no Q, QW. I'm not no QW. But it's a team game like you said. Yes. And the way I look at it, Mahomes didn't save that game. And it's not that moment that he saved the game like he hit the clutch shot. No, no, no. Mahomes getting too much credit. I also think he milking that injury. Because it was reported yeah. again. I don't know about that. I, you know, I thought he showed a lot of guts, and he and he and again, the thing that he did the best was he didn't throw the ball to the other team, even though he was he was exactly. battling an injury. That's the thing I give him the most credit for. But but their offense let them down time and time again. Before they try to make the injury look like it's so terrible, but it wasn't because it's been reported, and Mahomes didn't take no shot in a high ankle like. My, um, like my, my um, Thomas and others had high ankle sprains, T.O. and all that. It was not that. He didn't get shot up. They said it was 80% and above. He nothing that, hey, he, and if you look at the game, he was walking on a normal. But when he did something nice or did something, now he want to limp this and that, he was milking it. He was milking Man, it. I don't know that. that I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I never try to get behind and, and, and question overrated. a guy about injury yes, situations. I'm agreeing with you, Foot. Okay. Crap is overrated. It's overrated. I well, there's no foot. question. I'm agreeing with yeah. you. Uh, absolutely, yes. There's no question. Yeah. I mean, again, they, they they won the game because of defense. The idea that Mahomes played and their offense played credible. I mean, he played gutsy, but their offense was just – they put it this way. When your last four possessions are fumble, punt, punt, should have kicked a field goal but got bailed out, I don't know how that could be a heroic quarterback or offensive performance. Now, again, the gutsy part of it is a whole different deal. I'm not going to question that at all. But And then up 13-3, to three, and you get the ball, the other team's 39, and you get no yards with a chance to not maybe not put it away. But, I mean, it's just, just enough. Like, why can't you just say – he played gutsy, and they won the game. The defense played great at when it needed to, no question. They got incredible pressure, and they took advantage of injuries on the Bengals' offensive line. But but to go all the way, this is the signature performance of his Hall of Fame career just because you're a prisoner of the moment. It's just stop. Stop with all that. He played gutsy. His offense didn't perform when it needed to, and he got bailed out. There's nothing wrong with that. Like Breeze in the championship game, in the Super Bowl, they didn't play that great. They got bailed out because Peterson fumbled the ball six times, and the officials cheated. That's why the Saints went to the Super Bowl. I don't need to, oh, Drew Breeze, he did it. He threw, he threw a screen pass to Pierre, broke six tackles, and had nothing to do with the quarterback. Nothing. Nothing. Can't just stop with all that. It's unbelievable. I, I couldn't believe like like that 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 guy Dan Graziano. Don't you just I mean I'm not a violent guy, but that guy, like if you ever want to get one of those um where you know you have to like throw darts at a picture, you would like to have Dan Graziano's face on that dartboard to throw the darts at. Dan Graziano, what a pig that guy is. The signature performance of his great Hall of Fame career. Fumble, punt, punt, should have kicked a field goal, got bailed. I mean, should have went to overtime, got bailed out. Yeah. Let's not be prisoners of the moment here. Unbelievable. All right, we'll take a timeout. Be back.
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry, we have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. And, you know, I, I was... I've been reacting yesterday and in just just now, but prior to that last time out, to things that have been said and the analysis that I believe is faulty and way off base about the championship games um, that we saw on Sunday. And the two teams that I ended up, again, I began the week like a lot of you, and as the week went on, I'm like, I don't like what the, the Bengals are. they way too cocky. They talking too much trash. That's going to come back to bite them. And the more I thought about, obviously, I didn't know Brock Purdy was going to get hurt. And John, I mean, none of us knew that. But I, I just think the Eagles are was just too solid on offense. And even though the Eagles' offense did not perform at all that great, they were playing against an elite defense, but they were still able to run the ball for well over 200 yards, so that was good. But while the game was going on, there were two two things that I kept telling myself that were the frustration and just, you know, helping me get ready for something that's coming up. And one of them is every time I saw this cat play, it was very aggravating to me. This cat, Isaiah Pacheco, have you? do you watch this guy? He is unbelievable. He runs so hard. I'm like, that cat was a seventh-round draft pick, Isaiah Pacheco, from Rutgers, I believe he's from. A seventh-round draft pick. That guy, he runs so hard. It's like, why was that guy a seventh-round draft pick? And then, you know, I hear people say stupid stuff like, well, you know, the Chiefs in there, you know, they what a, what a great – and they are a great – but what a great organization, and they drafted this guy. If they thought Isaiah Pacheco was going to bail him out, they'd have drafted him in the sixth round. They wouldn't have let him get to the seventh round. I mean, it's unbelievable. This cat, Isaiah Pacheco. Like, who even knew who that guy was when they when they went to their draft? Like, a few – from camp, we did, to be fair, they were kind of mentioning his name. So, I by, by the time we got to the actual fantasy draft, I knew who he was because they had talked about him. He had looked good in me. That cat, how was that guy in the seventh round? He runs so hard. I'm like, that – it just aggravated me every time I saw that guy run. He had a play where he was – like tightrope in the sideline, and my, you know, I was the only one hoping that the Bengals didn't win. Everyone else was pulling for the Bengals, so they were all like, "He's out of bounds." They showed a replay; he was not out of. 
He runs so hard. Like, oh, why is that guy? That aggravated me the whole game. And the other thing is what all these officials and Riley, I've told you all my youngest daughter is a baseball fan. She tries to act like a Bengals fan, but I don't, I don't buy it. And um, she was looking at me. She's like, how do y'all do this? Because she's a baseball guy. I'm like, she said, I just can't take this. This is just too subjective. And I agree. That's just why I gave up. I had to give up basketball as a fan. It made me like so look so forward to baseball season. Watching those games Sunday really made me look forward to baseball season. Just because of all the scenarios with the officiating and all. And it's just, she's like, that's terrible. And I said, I know. I know. I know. Like, in baseball, especially if they're going to fix this balls and str- like the the athletes decide the game so much more in baseball than the outcome of the game than, than and the game does not than the umpires do and in basketball and football they just have so much more input on who wins the games it's unbelievable so that was my two takeaways during the game Isaiah Pacheco aggravating that that guy was picked in the seventh round and. Oh man, I'm really. It made me more ready for baseball than 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 I than I already was. All right, let's uh, go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey Kevin. Hey, just just real quick. I might be like completely off base, but um, that play in the to end the game against the Chiefs and Bengals did it remind you of the Saints Rams NFC Championship game? Mm, not really. Why? What do you mean? Uh, it's like. They threw the flag. They got the flag, and we didn't. You know, I don't know. Yeah. The end the no, game. I, I see what you're saying there, but that was more at the, you know, at the very. That I don't know how much time was left, but it wasn't like eight seconds or something. But no, I, I, I didn't. Well, like they could have ended the clock. You know, they could have uh, three nil downs and kicked the field goal and one. Well, what, what I was thinking about that was the play earlier, and I mentioned this yesterday, where the officials. May, corrected the play on the call without having to be challenged. That when, when Mahomes knee touched down, when he made that side pass at the sideline, they actually corrected. The, someone in the booth saw the play, saw that his knee hit the ground before he threw it, and corrected the mistake on the field. That's all they had to do, and the Saints would have been in the Super Bowl. But because the NFL had been does not care about fairness at all, they did not allow they did not make that correction and that did not happen which it should have happened which was what Casper's point was in the post game correct the problem we're talking about the super bowl correct the problem we'll figure out the mechanics later you know yeah. and and that that was the play that made me think of the Saints NFC championship game when they corrected it on the field before it even went to replay I just felt like both players kind of decided the Super Bowl. You know, uh, who who went to the Super Bowl? They, I don't know. It, it just it makes you feel like if they would have thrown the flag on the Rams, we would have went to the Super Bowl, right? Well, oh, no well question. The Chiefs yes. got the flag, yes. and they, they went to the Super right. Bowl. Right, yeah. But again, that's what I talk about, and we don't have time to get into it now, but that's why the result-oriented thinking is just flawed. It's just flawed. I mean, you could have a quarterback who makes four drives. If his guy misses all the field goals and the other quarterback, his guy makes all the field goals. Oh, this quarterback's better. Well, what are you talking about? They did the same thing. Just his teammate missed the field goals and his teammate made it. It's unbelievable how stupid people are. Anyway, I appreciate the call. That's it for today. Have a nice day.